right. You also need to listen together, a podcast about Fruits Basket by Natsuki Takaya. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kayla. And today we're discussing chapters 82 and 83. Woo. Yay. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just get into it, because, you know, <laughs> we're going to do our summary discussion and then, spoiler, discuss all the things. <laughs> she announced the next reading, or are we going to do that at the end? Uh, Well, we can do it now. That's fine. Okay. We So we were going to read... Uh, I think I said many times that <laughs> for a long time, this will be like two chapters at a time, but we decided just now that we would read three chapters in a row next time. So next week we'll be doing 84 to 87. That's the number, right? 84 to 86. No. Yeah. Yes. 84, that's 85, right 86. Six. Yep. I can count. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so yeah, uh, because it'll, cause it's all kind of one, there's one topic in all of them, so We'll do that, mm-hmm. and then we'll do eighty-seven by itself, and then we'll be back in a back in a rhythm of two at a time, at least for a little while. So it's going to be a good time. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe at the end we'll have some yeah, storytelling. <laughs> Storytelling-wise, it's good, but <laughs> yeah, it's never emotionally um, happy thing usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we did like the true form, it was emotionally happy at the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> But all the middle part was sad. <laughs> there was, like, multiple resolutions of feelings. Because there was, like, uh, you know, Kyo feeling like someone finally interested him in Toru. And then also Shisho and Kyo recognizing their feelings for each other. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of good feelings, too. <laughs> but, yeah, um, you know, same diff next time. Yeah. <laughs> things Bad things are going to happen. That's fine. We're in this together, guys. <laughs> this is why we read this beautiful shoujo manga, right? <laughs> This is the romance comedy we all signed yes. up for. <laughs> it still makes me laugh to this day. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be a good time. Let's start. <laughs> Chapter 82 opens with Shigure, Yuki, Toru, and Kyo at the dinner table. And Toru asks Yuki if it's true that there will be a campfire and fireworks at the Culture Fest this year. And Yuki says it's kind of impossible and he apologizes. Impossible, you say? Shigure adds. Aya lit up the entire campus with spotlights. And then we see a little memory of Yami in high school saying, Now sparkle, my house of learning. <laughs> Which is great. Could you not use Nissan as an example? Yuki asks, and Toru's like, Oh, that sounds so romantic. And Kyo is like, The electric bill. And Shigure is like, To be romantic, you have to spend money. Kyo-chan, you have no imagination. And Kyo is like, Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> Toru asks if everyone... Uh, would like to have gelatin for dessert. And Yuki asks if she made it, and she says, yes, she ended up making a lot. Let me guess, Kyo says. You went to see Rin in the hospital. Yes, how did you know, Toru asks. And Kyo says it seemed like she would. It seems like you've been guessing everything right about me recently, Kyo-kun, Toru says. And he's like, you don't think you're too easy to read? That's not true, is it? Toru says, blushing. And he says, your voice is getting quieter, you know? And Yuki watches the exchange. You went to the hospital. Did Rin seem okay? Yuki asks. More specifically, she didn't swing the IV at you? And Toru and Kyo are like, huh? Toru says that she would never do that. And Kyo is like, who would do that? And Yuki thinks they exist. (laughs) There's also a little teeny, 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 tiny chibi drawing of Haru saying that she did. (laughs) It's the best chibi thing I've seen in this. (laughs) I think. Toru says that Rin was looking better. And Shigure says, I'm terribly sorry that you had to get mixed up with Rin. Dragging you into family problems. We've caused you trouble. Toru doesn't respond right away, but one of the boys says to Shigure for starting to eat his jelly already. <laughs> no, I'm not troubled at all, Toru says. Absolutely not, never. You can Kyo look back at her after the outburst, or what seems to be an outburst based on the way they reacted, and Shigure says, Thank you. 
the least I could do to thank you is feed you delicious gelatin. Say, ah, and Yuki and Gyo are like, hey, scumbag adult. <laughs> Toru remembers the other night with Rin. She seemed to be suffering as she held me, Toru thinks. I was pathetic. All I could do was hold her in return. She remembers visiting Rin in the hospital. Rin lays back, her arm covering her eyes. Her food is untouched, and Toru asks about it. It's all food that I hate, Rin says. What food do you not hate? Toru asks. Rin lifts her arm and looks out of the corner of one eye at Toru, then closes them and covers them again. Gelatin, she says. Later, Toru walks down the hall at school and thinks, I keep thinking things like, if only there was something I could do. I must be getting more and more conceited, but I can't help but think those things. I'm sure that for a long time she's been holding on by herself, enduring by herself, suffering from the pain in her heart all alone. Toru remembers Rin freaking out on the floor when she came home from school, and then when Kyo ran away toward the end of chapter 15. Which was Valentine's Day, in case anybody <laughs> forgot when that was. <laughs> uh, it's when he's like out in the woods and he's all like huddled up. We talked about it for a long time when we recorded that episode. Mm-hmm. Tori goes to visit the hospital again and almost gets turned away because she's, Rin's not supposed to have visitors. But another nurse says that girls are okay. Because <laughs> when Rin, Haru was there, Rin swung the IV at him, I guess. <laughs> Tori comes in the room and Rin, who's sitting on the bed with her hair tied back, says, You came again? Toru's eyes widen and she clasps her hands excitedly and freaks out. You're so cute! This is the first time I've seen you with your hair tied back. It looks really good on you. Rin says nothing and then immediately starts to take her hair down and Toru's like, Ah, what are you doing? (laughs) And Rin says she just tied it up because it was getting in the way of being examined. And Toru says, But it looks so good. It would be a waste not to... Oh, that's right. I brought you some gelatin. And Rin is like, You really brought some? How stupid. And Toru's like, (laughs) Nervously. And then says that... She, it may have been presumptuous, but she made some and kept it cold on the way to the hospital. And Rin sort of frowns, but with the teeniest, tiniest blush I've ever seen in a manga, <laughs> says, Later. I'll eat it later. I don't like eating in front of people. And Tori says, Okay, and kind of stashes it in the refrigerator in her room. Why did you come? Rin asks. Should I guess? Yes! Tori says cheerfully, and Rin says, It's about the Zodiac curse, isn't it? Toru freezes, and then suddenly stands and freaks out and apologizes and thinks, I completely forgot! No, it's not that I completely forgot, but I was only thinking about Asusa-san herself. So you could say I carelessly put it to the side. But no, now that I've said that I would get involved, I mustn't be careless. Why is it that when I think about one thing, my head gets so full that I... I'm the worst! I'm the worst! I'm ashamed of myself! And Rin is like, what? (laughs) Because she's just standing there freaking out internally. (laughs) Later, they take a walk outside, and Toru tells Rin that Akito told her that he is like God. And that the Zodiac will always be by his side. As Rin unties her hair, Toru asks, Is that what the curse is to everyone? Is the bond the curse? Rin sighs. It's not like I have any memories of it. But God and the Zodiac spirits made a promise, she says, looking up. I'm sure of it. A long time ago, hundreds of years ago, to be together for eternity. Even if they were reborn several times, they would go to his side and never leave. They would always, always be together. We members of the Zodiac are still bound by that promise. Even with no memories of it, the blood of the spirits remembers. Tor remembers Shisho saying during their meeting, connected by blood, a bond of blood. A bond might look like a beautiful thing from the outside, Rin says, but if those involved see it as a burden, it's nothing but a shackle. That's why it's a curse. Rin kneels and Toru kneels beside her. Toru wonders if there is really no way to break the curse, and Rin says, I don't even know if Akito knows a way. Not like he would tell us if he did, though. I thought if it was someone close to Akito, maybe... But Karini says that he doesn't know either. Tor looks over with sudden realization. What about Karino-san? She asks. And she remembers Kyo saying that he's Akito's personal secretary. <laughs> Quote unquote. <laughs> but Rin says, he's no good. He does whatever Akito says. He won't help us. He's suspicious to begin with. I can't think of him as one of us. 
Toru doesn't think that he's suspicious, and Rin says that she wouldn't understand. And Toru remembers Kurino saying goodbye to her after her stealth mission, <laughs> smiling sadly. Toru suddenly stands and declares that she's going to see Kurino-san. But Rin grabs her ankle and she flops to the ground with a wah! Don't go rushing in by yourself, Rin says, and Toru apologizes. Do you honestly think you'll break anything being like that? Rin pauses and looks away. Why? She asks. Why do you want to break the curse? The thing that you can't give up? What is it? The thing that's most important to you? What is it? It's, Tora starts to say with a smile, but the smile fades to an expression of distress as she remembers a person, to me, that looks like Akito. There's like a very thin panel Mm -hmm. on the page. Rin notices her expression and says, it doesn't matter. Just don't do things on your own, like going to see Kareno by yourself. Toru looks down, kind of upset, but she quickly recovers and replies, As long as you promise me that you won't work too hard by yourself, Isuzu-san. Rin looks over a bit surprised, but doesn't reply. Toru says, And so a partnership is born, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need someone as unreliable as you for a partner, Rin huffs, and Toru is like, Eh, uh, um, I'll do my best, I'll work really hard. <laughs> when Toru turns home later that night, Kyo and Yuki notice that she isn't looking well. She might have a fever. Toru says that her head is, has so little space that it fills up quickly. Kyo feels her forehead, and by that I mean he covers her whole face with his hand. Um, You're supposed to use the back of your hand, Kyo. I know. Kyo, whatever. <laughs> he doesn't know how to people either. <laughs> He's just like, I care about you, let me touch your face. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he asks a thinking fever, and then he tells her to let them know if she still has one when she wakes up in the morning, and she blushes. Tori remembers Rin asking, the thing that's most important to you, what is it? As she gets in bed, she thinks, why was I so speechless? Before I would have been able to reply right away. Toru tosses and turns and rolls over on her side. She hears some noise in another room and then realizes she isn't in Shigeru's house anymore. She's in an apartment. Yes, she thinks. It's the apartment where we always lived. Just the two of us. A familiar smell. Toru's mom walks over and kneels above her as she lies on a futon half asleep. I'm off, Toru, Kyoko says, and walks away, quietly slipping out the front door so as not to disturb her daughter. Toru's eyes open. No, she thinks. You can't go. You'll be in an accident. Don't go. Come back. Don't go. Toru jolts awake, eyes wide, sweating, and she rolls over to look at where her mother was and sees only her darkened bedroom in Shigure's house. She walks to the bedroom door. Mom, she says, opening it and peering down the dark hallway, disoriented and disheartened. We see the narration, always together, and Toru shuts the door. At the hospital, Rin sits in bed, and she thinks... I can't explain it to anyone, but on the other side of that door, I'm afraid that she's starting to fall apart. Somehow I just feel it. Rin thinks of her mother, then Toru smiling. If that happens, no one can bring her back. I just hope that she can find the right person for her, like Haru was there for me. Someone who will gently open that door. People can't help but be drawn to someone like her. Rin looks down. She's taken a bite of the gelatin that Toru made for her. It tastes good, she says. Rin thinks, people who know how scary it is to be alone can't help loving others. The chapter ends with the next morning at Shigure's house. Fever-free Toru greets Yuki and Kyo with a bubbly good morning and sorry for worrying you. And that's the end. (sighs) (laughs) I know we're not comparing, like, sadness of things because none of them can be compared, but I swear this is the saddest thing I've read so far in this series, honestly. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) I was going to say, it's a different kind of sadness, this chapter intro of Tiny Baby Yuki in these uh, windows is pretty sad <laughs> yes <laughs> yes kayla's talking about the drawing in between the two chapters i don't know if it's in the current in the special edition ones but yeah it's a good time <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Chapter 83 <laughs> opens at school. Yuki, some girls call. Is it true that there's going to be a campfire and fireworks at the culture festival? And later some other kid says, you're going to be giving baked potatoes out to all the students at the campfire? Incredible! It really is incredible, Yuki says to Nao in the hallway. I wish they realized that it's so incredible it defies common sense. <laughs> <laughs> Nao winches about having to go around and deny all the rumors, of course. And they wonder who spread the rumors. Now says it's irresponsible, and he says, I wish I could see the face of whoever's behind it. And they run into Kakiru in the hallway, who looks like he's playing a game or something on his phone, maybe? I don't know, it's hard to tell. <laughs> he pulls off his headphones and greets them. Oh, hey, Union! About the plan for the campfire and fireworks that I suggested. Did it not go through? <laughs> so it was you, you bastard, Yuki says, grabbing Kakiru's neck. That insane plan was unanimously voted down in the meeting that you missed. Don't call it insane, Kakiru says. I put my heart and soul into that plan so people would be excited about the festival. <laughs> now Yuki continue to scold him until Kimi arrives with Machi Kimi announces that Machi has been away sick from school since the time that she missed with the council room and Machi looks down bangs covering her eyes I see Yuki says remembering Machi's panicked expression when he and Kakiru found her and Kakiru telling him that they're half siblings Kimi was sure that it was because she didn't want to take responsibility for trusting the council room was running away <laughs> she adds and Yuki's like Kimi 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 <laughs> now piles on asking why Machi did that Machi bows and formally apologizes I'm very sorry for causing such trouble. I won't do it again. I won't ever do it again. I promise. Kakiru loosens his tie kind of nervously and now isn't satisfied yet. You say that, but you've done this before, haven't you? You say that you won't do it again, but talking like that, doesn't that drive you into a corner even more? Yuki asks. Machi doesn't look up. Saying that you won't do it anymore doesn't solve the problem. Both parties need to understand why you do it. Before Machi can reply again, Kakiru and Kimi freak out and they're like, wow, such nice things to say. You mean you're so kind. And Yuki's like, what? <laughs> It's so princely, Kimi says, and Yuki looks away, sort of disheartened. I'm not like that, he says. Kimi says he's so humble, and Machi reacts as if she's about to speak, but isn't able to say anything. Yuki suddenly remembers that he needs to go to his class meeting, but he starts to say, and then Kakiru says, for now, Machi has me to fall back on, right? I wonder if you being around has ever helped anything, now says. And in the next panel, we see that Kakiru has karate chopped him and asks Yuki what the class <laughs> is discussing. And Yuki says it's the cultural festival. Kimi says, oh, speaking of, Yuyu's class was chosen to do a play, right? And we transition away to class 2D, where the kids are tallying the votes for their roles in their play, Cinderella. Tori says, it'll be a wonderful performance, right, Uo-chan? But one look over at Uo reveals that she's being an ultra grump about the play. <laughs> I want to do a historical play, Uo says. Mito Komon was also on the list too, wasn't it? I wanted to be the guy who gives him the medicine box. Oh, you mean Suke-san, right? Toru says. I mean, Cinderella? What the hell? Uo adds while Hana combs her hair. I thought we were in high school. Did you want to give him the medicine box that much, Arisa? Hana asks. Yuki arrives as they tally the votes for roles, and some girls wish that he hadn't turned down the role of prince. Yuki apologizes and says that he has a lot to do with the student council. Besides, he says, I'm not fit to be Prince Charming. That's not true, a gaggle of starry-eyed girls, I'll think, <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Since Yuki sits in time, he gets the honor of writing who will be the main roles on the board. And as the class representative explains that there will be other votes for the set designers and crew, uh, much to the surprise of students, Yuki writes, Cinderella, Saki Hanajima, Prince Charming, Kyosoma, Stepmother, Minami Kinoshita, Stepsister, Toru Honda, Fairy Godmother, Yuki Soma. <laughs> now wait just a minute, Kyo shouts, and Yuki's like, no takebacks! <laughs> Can I just say... <laughs> I've read this before, obviously, but when I was reading it this time, as soon as he revealed this, I also cackled. <laughs> like, it was so great. Anyway. <laughs> I just love him kind of, like, looking surprised at the paper and then just kind of being like, all right, and writing it down. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's great. There's a little, like, expression of him just being like, okay, and then he writes them on the board, and then Kyo freaks out, and then he immediately yells at Kyo. It's so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Kyo's two friends are like, what's wrong, Prince Kyo? You'll look great in a, count- a crown, Prince Kyo. <laughs> we'll get a laugh out of it, Uo adds. And Kyo is like, we don't need people to laugh at this story. <laughs> Tour blushes and says it's wonderful and that Shisha will be thrilled. And Kyo is like, don't tell him. Whatever you do, don't tell him. And there's a little chibi Toru with a tear in her eye thinking, but he would be so happy. <laughs> Kyo continues his campaign against the casting by pointing out that it's already screwed up by having Hanajima as the main character. Treat me gently, your highness, Hana says, <laughs> smiling coyly. She's wicked, the class thinks. This is the moment the wicked Cinderella is born. Will Cinderella's dress be black after all? <laughs> Yuki asks if Toru will be alright playing a cruel stepsister. Of course! I'll show you a cruelty deeper than the ocean, Toru says, bubbly as ever. <laughs> She'll never pull it off, Yuki thinks. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> We cut away to some of the Yuki fangirls reveling in their victory because they conspired to get Toru in a hated role. But of course, one point out, points out that Minami, who is in the Prince Yuki fan club, is equally bad in an evil stepmother role. And she covers her eyes and thinks, curse comes home to roost. <laughs> With the chaos settled, it's a wrap for the class meeting, so Yuki returns to the student council. Toru's about to tell him not to push himself too hard, but instead says, do your best, and smiles brightly as he leaves. The group calls Toru back, and Yuki takes note of her talking to Kyo. As he leaves, he remembers Shigure saying, The important thing is, will you always go crying to her? In the student council room, he finds Kimi and Nao. It turns out that Machi and Kakeru have gone out to buy something. Kimi comments on how Machi and Kakeru seem close, and Yuki realizes they must not have told anyone else that they're related yet. Nao asks Yuki to find a list of things they're ordering, so Yuki goes to look for it. I wonder if I left it in the room next door, he says, wandering in. Ah, Yun Yun, you better not go in there, Kimi says. But the door slams behind Yuki, and from the other side, she finishes, The lock's been broken since yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) No, Yun Yun, Kimi tried to tell you, she shouts, and Nao is like, You told him too late. (laughs) The lights are also not working, apparently, and Yuki asks if he can kick down the door, but Nao tells him not to because he doesn't want there to be any more damage to the school. I put an eye-rolling emoji in my notes. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> so he and Kimi decide to go get help. Like, are you just like, can I kick it down? Like, that's, like, an easy and obvious solution. Yeah. It's like, only for, it is you. for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I was like, no, I don't want there to be any more damage. And it's like, bro, like, he's stuck in a room. <laughs> anyway, Yuki sighs and thinks, this is pathetic. If I was really princely, I wouldn't have been so stupid as to get myself locked in. That's for sure. He stumbles around trying to find a light switch to see if it's, you know, truly broken and, and knocks over a can of paint that splatters across a wall. Why is there paint in here? And it's black, he says, and he looks down to the paint splattered on his hand. Black, he remembers, and then suddenly remembers Akito at the beach, smiling a sadistic smile. You're pathetic, aren't you, Yuki? Akito says in the memory, watching you try to keep up the facade of optimism. It hurts. A lot. I know, Akito says. I understand what you want, what you're searching for in Toru Honda. I know what you're looking for in her. You're so freaking annoying. In this situation, saving lives comes first. Understand, Chibisuke? We hear from Kakuryu argue with Nao outside of the storage room. Yuki's still lost in his thoughts as he continues to remember the moment with Kido. Nao shouts, just a- Karagi, what are you- And then with a smash, Machi breaks down the door <laughs> with a chair. Yuki looks over at her from the darkness and she makes eye contact with him, which is very unusual, mm-hmm. I noticed. Are you alright? She asks. Outside, Kimi laughs about the door and Kakuryu rewinds that he was the one who wanted to break it and Nao insists this isn't something to laugh at or be jealous about. <laughs> Kakeru looks in and says Yuki looks dazed and says that he maybe he Yuki says maybe it was the paint fumes. Yuki thanks Machi. I thought you wouldn't like being alone and helpless in there, she says quietly. Kimi tells him to wash the paint off and Yuki's eyes widen suddenly and he covers his mouth. I'm gonna throw up, he says, while the other kids freak out. <laughs> Outside, Yuki sits down and Kakeru sits with him and confirms that he doesn't need to go to the nurse. Yuki says that he'll be fine if he gets some fresh air. And Kakeru says it makes sense. Of course you'd get sick in a small room with paint fumes. 
It's not that, Yuki says. I remembered something painful. Something painful? Kakeru asks. Something painful, Yuki says. <laughs> oh my god, no way, Yun Yun! Something dirty? Kakeru asks, eyes sparkling. <laughs> no, I meant emotionally painful, Yuki says. So what is it? Kakeru asks. I'm stupid, so if you make something up, I won't know the difference. <laughs> What's the point in cheating a confession? Yuki asks. And he looks down, and Kakeru looks over. I haven't told anyone about this before, Yuki says. I haven't even told the person involved. It's something pitiful and pathetic. He thinks, remembering Toru smiling, I was looking for a mother in her. That's the end. Dun, dun, dun. It's the end of this chapter. <laughs> yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> wow, so many things happened in these two chapters. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> Everything's moving. It is, yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. And by good, I mean awful. <laughs> yeah. There were some good times thrown in. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. We broke down a door. It was fun. Yeah, Machi broke down a door. <laughs> Her destructive skills came in handy yeah. <laughs> this time. After two separate people wanted to break down the door. But... Yes. <laughs> Yuki and Kakeru yeah. and, I guess, Machi. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now I couldn't win against all three of them. Nope. <laughs> okay, I don't know where to start. <laughs> so many things have happened. <laughs> Well, I have some thoughts that kind of apply to both chapters before we start on specific things. Okay. So, the I think one thing that's interesting is that there are a lot of callbacks to, like, past chapters. Mm-hmm. So there was one for chapter 15, which was Toru thinking about Kyo. Um, yeah. Like, remembering Kyo. Might be the biggest gap in a, a flashback that we've yeah. seen, too. Like, an actual thing we've seen before. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I also think it's funny that since it's uh, Kyo from behind, uh, they didn't have to blur it. She didn't have to blur it to hide the change in her art style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's diff- It's actually not... I think it's redrawn. Because I looked back at that time, like that chapter, and it there isn't a shot that looks like that. Mm. Um, I didn't bring that one with me in all the books that I brought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I looked at it to see if it was like a copied like thing and it looks like it's redrawn mm-hmm. but yeah it doesn't have to be blurred yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason regardless <laughs> and then there was chapters 58 and 59 so that's the beach so what happens is this memory that yuki has in the um in the room is a is what happened so we saw this scene at the beach where yuki sees kareno and then he talks to akito and then um nothing else Mm-hmm. happens it's like you don't see their dialogue yeah. at all and then yeah, we saw runs him, into yuki later yeah so. we saw him react to whatever he said with akito it was obviously something that had a big effect on him but we didn't actually see the dialogue at the mm-hmm. time and now we get to see and it even now we don't see all of it <laughs> i seriously doubt that that's all of it but yeah. that's part of it mm-hmm. right <laughs> so apparently part of what akito said mm-hmm. or maybe he's just imagining it i don't know it's hard to tell but it seems to be a memory and it seems to be akito saying that he knows what Yuki is looking for in Toru. Yeah. So that's interesting. So we didn't get to see that before. Now we finally get to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it took me a long time because I couldn't tell who was in Toru's memory. So when when Rin says, um, when Rin is like, what's the most important thing to you? Toru pauses and she remembers someone. And I think it's Akito. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's from chapter 64 and 65, which is also the beach you know where she was talking to Akito? Because I was like, when would she have looked up at Akito like that? Mm-hmm. I think it's the time 
when Akito told her that Kyo would be confined. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah, I think so. That's the time that I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At first I thought it was somebody else. But I, I think it's I think it's Akito. I don't know who else it could be. It's so hard yeah. to tell, too, because it's, like, just the eyes. Yeah, I didn't really have any doubts that it's Akito, just because, like, Akito's always drawn like that with the black hair in front of his eyes and the really mm-hmm. narrow... And also kind of, yeah, narrow eyes. Narrow eyes like that. Um, but yeah, I couldn't remember exactly where it was, but yeah, that makes sense, I think. Yes, and I also think it's just the only time that Toru is in that kind of position with Akito, where they're sort of, like, face-to-face. Yeah, they've only met, like... Twice? Yeah. I think. Just I think that so. time and then the time at school. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really make sense to be Yuki, because we haven't seen... Because basically she was, like, kind of defending Yuki that one time. Yeah, and she didn't really, at like, school. have that kind of face-to-face... No, she kind of, like, looked down, I think. Yeah, because, like, when, when Akita was talking directly to Toru, he was being, like, fake-friendly, so he didn't really have that, like, yeah. narrow-eyed evil expression No. at that time. And then, like, after that, he was mostly talking to Yuki, so... Right. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think... Yeah, I think that this highlights the conflict that we're seeing now between her feelings about Kyo and her mother... Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that is because also in that before that happened, she was thinking about her mother at the beach too. Mm-hmm. So it was something that kind of like was going on at that time as well. Yeah. And then we, of course, we see in this she has the dream about her mother the day that her mother died. Mm-hmm. And because all of those things are sort of presented together, I think that that's the conflict that's being demonstrated by Takaya. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I think about that. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, it's obvious that she has growing feelings for Kyo, and obvious that she cares a lot about her mother still. Mm-hmm. But she seems to be struggling with the idea of them together. Yeah, she's I had guess. some like internal crises about both of these situations separately and together in the past. So, mm-hmm. so I think that that is what is being shown in that scene. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's that specific time that she's thinking about. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of episodes. There's, sorry, no lot of episodes. There's a lot of, like, pieces that were brought back here, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Especially the one with Kyo. Yeah. Even so. though, like, Kareno stuff has got a flashback, too. And a flashback to Shisho. Mm-hmm. Like, when she talked to Shisho. Yeah, that's right. And then stuff with Kareno. I think we can also start by saying that we learned some more things about the curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got another So kind maybe of, it's time for a recap. We got <laughs> another kind of uh, retelling slash explanation of the Zodiac myths in mm-hmm. this chapter. From Rin. Yep. Just to remind everyone, um, you know, when people in someone's family are hugged by members of the opposite sex, they turn into animals, in case you <laughs> forgot. <laughs> it has been a and we while. Learned... <laughs> it has. I haven't... None of them have been animals in such a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Good. the focus is on other things, but... Yeah. I think the last time was uh, maybe Momiji at the beach. Maybe. Well, Rin was a horse. Oh, yeah, Rin, but that she didn't... wasn't from hugging. Yes. <laughs> from exhaustion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah always. Well, like, we saw that the cat came to Kyo during the mm-hmm. school trip, but which is kind of related. Yeah. They're all related. We also learned during the beach arc that Akito, and it was called, it was brought back here in this discussion with Rin, that Akito says that he's God, and that's why, I think we learned in the conversation with Shisho, that's why the Junishi feel like they can't go against what Akito says. Mm-hmm. And then Rin added on to it this time by saying that she feels, it feels like a long time ago, the spirits of the Zodiac animals made a promise to God that they would always come back to God and they would always be together. Mm-hmm. And that promise is a bond. It may look, um, it may look 
like enticing from the outside but if you're not into it then it's a shackle <laughs> so yeah that's what we learned this time about the curse I yeah and we've had the implication about like the bond becoming the curse in the past but this is the first time we've had the whole idea of like the spirits made a promise to god to always be together mm-hmm. yeah i think that's the major development mm-hmm. there was a lot of things i feel like we could have had an episode all about just that one chapter actually because yeah. <laughs> there's so many things that happen mm-hmm. <laughs> should we talk about tor and rin since they kind of made up yes bulk of yes it? let's do it <laughs> yes yes <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about them first. Mm-hmm. Let's you start by talking about them okay. first. <laughs> um, well, one thought I had, like, right at the start of, like, their interactions is when Tor is remembering Rin clinging to her after the previous chapters. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which chapter it ended on that. But so her thoughts were, like, really similar to Rin's thoughts in that moment. Tor says, like, she felt like she's pathetic and all she could do was, like, hold her in return and wanted to do mm-hmm. more. And, like, Rin was feeling the same way that, like, she felt pathetic for having to like cling to someone and be a burden on to someone right. so yeah you're right that's a good point like when i first like read the when i first read those flashback like panels i was like wait is this tour or rin narrating <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point they say very similar things about each other mm-hmm. rin toru it, they do it in this chapter too because i think yeah. toru at the beginning is like she was alone and she's been i get the feeling she's been like carrying this, these burdens all alone all this time mm-hmm or whatever. And then at the very end of the chapter, Rin is like, yeah, I think that Toru has some problems too. Yeah. <laughs> and that she's keeping to herself. Um, she said specifically, hold on, wait, I'll find it. Rin says it in a much more eloquent way than I did. <laughs> she says like, I feel like on the other side of that door, I'm afraid that Toru is starting to fall apart. And if that happens, no one can bring her back. And says, I hope that I can find, she can find the right person for her, like Haru is there for me, someone who will gently open that door. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was very interesting. They have, <laughs> so they they feel the same things about each other, which is really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I think from a, um, you know, what is it, you know, uh, like a third person <laughs> narrator observation perspective, we can see that they do have similar problems. Like Rin has been trying to deal with things by herself. And it seems like now we're finally seeing Toru has been trying to deal with this, the pain that she has from the loss of her mother by herself all this time. Mm-hmm. Um. Or not dealing with it, really. Yeah. Um, most of this time. But it's starting to catch up with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise they're they're bonding in this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Toru made her jelly. Mm-hmm. And she ate it. <laughs> also, and she ate it! Mm-hmm. I know! <laughs> she did say that she doesn't want to eat around other people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was kind of confirmed. I think yeah. we talked about that before. Yeah, um, and she's got a lot of issues around food and eating. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, and it's one thing that shows, like, how close she was with Haru, because we've seen in flashbacks that she was eating with Haru. Yeah, Haru past. brought her snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting that Toru was like, it's so presumptuous, it was presumptuous of me, but I made you I made you food, and, like, yeah. she's like, I wish I could do more, and it's like, you're doing enough! Yeah. <laughs> you let her cry on you. <laughs> like she, you're doing enough. Like how she made, like, so much gelatin, apparently. <laughs> Maybe maybe she got a, made a bunch of different flavors. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was like, I don't know what Rin likes. I don't know what his sound likes, so I'm going to make, like... It's like, I can't make a half bunch batches. Of I have to make the entire batch of all of these flavors. Do you think she flavors. just used the mix? Or do you think she, like, made it from scratch because she's tore... I don't know the state of uh, <laughs> Jell-O in Japan. In Japan? So. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. I love how Shigure is like, I'll have one. And mm. then, like, immediately eats it. And uh, Yuki and Yuki and Kyo sass him. So one yeah. of them sasses him. 
the scene actually i find that scene to be kind of interesting it's sort of i think it's related to rin so i think we can talk about it but mm-hmm. basically shigeru is like oh i'm sorry for getting you involved with her drama mm-hmm. and then they yuki and kyo act like nothing is happening and then shigeru is like no that's not it at all like it's not how i feel at all and mm-hmm. they kind of look back at her like what the hell like it's really yeah <laughs> it's kind of interesting so like i don't it doesn't seem like something that she wouldn't normally do. Like, I don't really... I'm a little bit um, confused as to why they kind of look back like that. So it must have been kind of an outburst. That's the way that mm-hmm. I'm choosing to interpret it. Yeah. It seems like there's... like it was out of the ordinary. Yeah, it seems like there's a kind of a pause between what he said and her, like, suddenly reacting to it. Because, like, there's enough time for the little panel of someone sassing him about starting to eat the jello yeah, already. Yeah, face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's just the time. Mm-hmm. But... It seems to be, they yeah. react like it's something out of character. Yeah, I think, I think it's just the, the pause and sudden, like, vehemence of the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe because they didn't see what she saw. Like, maybe because, because Toru saw Rin freaking out, and none of the others saw that. Mm-hmm. They just saw that she was sick. So maybe they're just kind of like, yeah, she's just sick again, like, it's not really a big deal. But Rin, Toru sees something about Rin that nobody else really knows about other than, like, Haru. I guess. Because mm-hmm. she, I feel like she reacts like that because she's like, no, it's fine. I want to, you know, Rin seems to be dealing with something and I want to, like, help find a way to help her. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that mm-hmm. just a little scene was also kind of interesting, the way that they react to her reaction. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rin and Toru do have a partnership that's that's <laughs> blooming, even though Rin is against it. Yeah, well, this is kind of like the most, like, normal, friendly interaction we see, we've seen Rin have, like, yes. in the present tense, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so far. It's like, even if she's, like, a little, like, snippy toward Toru for a couple of things, <laughs> she still, like, you know, goes out and goes on a walk with her and tells her what she knows about the curse and everything mm-hmm. and, and, like, scolds her for trying to run in and do things by herself and put herself at risk mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's it's cute. Rin, um, Rin tried her routine of being, like, <laughs> she rejected everything Toru did. Like, she was, like oh, you came again, mm-hmm. and, like, you you made you made Jello. that's stupid, mm-hmm. and then, like, you, and then um, she said something else, and it's, like, I was reading this, and I was, like, man, it's a good thing that Toru is, obli- like, like <laughs> not stirred by someone being an asshole. Yeah. Like, she's not going to be deterred, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, Rin, Rin's routine doesn't work on Toru, mm-hmm. which is really funny and cute. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right, they, Rin scolds Toru for wanting to rush in and do things and then she's Toru's like well you don't work too hard by yourself mm-hmm. as well yeah it's kind of it seems like kind of another instance of a character partially yelling at themselves when they're yelling at someone else because <laughs> she has to like don't yeah. go rushing in by yourself do you honestly think you'll break anything being like that and then she kind of looks away and has a <laughs> silent panel like, like uh, oh wait like, that's just actually like I, I've me. been doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they yeah <laughs> There was a lot of times in both of these chapters, I think, where people are like, don't do this thing, but they're really talking about something that they've done. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They just have a good friendship. Mm-hmm. You can tell they're going to have a good friendship. You know when you meet somebody and you want to be friends with them. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Tori's like, I'm going to try real hard. you see someone through the bushes and you want to run out and cry <laughs> on their lap, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, normal friend stuff. <laughs> oh, Kayla. That was a good joke. I liked it. <laughs> That's how everybody makes friends, right? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've made all my friends. You, you watch someone that you don't know very well have like a complete mental breakdown in your living room yeah. after they barf everywhere. It's completely normal. <laughs> Everything's fine. 
all right, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I think that they Ren understand seems to understand something about Toru that other people don't necessarily, at least haven't talked about yet, mm-hmm. whether they notice it or not. So people like Yuki, he like kind of admits to constantly relying on Toru. Um, and Kyo, of course, I think is a little bit, he's able to be more supportive of her, mm-hmm. but neither of them have really, we haven't seen any of their thoughts be like, yeah, there's something going on with her. Whereas Rin is like, there's something going on with Toru. Yeah. The, right? Yeah. And we've seen like way back in early chapters about like characters saying like, oh, we didn't realize she, you know, had all this pain inside because she seems so cheerful on the outside and like mm-hmm. Rin's able to see through that really quickly because she obviously recognizes <laughs> something yeah, there. she felt it herself, that she, I guess. Yeah, that she understands. <laughs> yeah. It also reminded me of, it's and not super related, but it reminded me of Maiko being like, don't put too much on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, maybe Maiko sees that too. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, even, like, people like Kyo are obviously able to go and diffuse things when she's always upset about something that's going on kind of, like, in the present. Mm-hmm. But nobody else has, other than Rin, has really tapped into this idea that there's something more going on that she's you know yeah there's she's something like on the edge hiding. of a mental breakdown <laughs> yeah basically yeah. <laughs> as it turns out mm-hmm. she's like yeah i think that something bad might happen if <laughs> yeah if no she doesn't she isn't able to like work through this pain that she's having mm-hmm. so yeah very interesting yeah. an interesting and subtle reveal at the end of that chapter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seriously, speaking of mental breakdowns, how about that dream she has? Yeah, how about... (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Man. (laughs) That really... Uh, We're chuckling, but it made me really upset when I read through it this time. And it was funny because, like, two days before, there was a post going around Tumblr that was, like, one of the extras from the DVD where something similar happens, where Mm -hmm. she wakes up and imagines her mother. And I remember I texted you, and I was like... I was like, huh, I'm dead now. Why is this happening? Why did she, why did Takaya draw this? And then we read this and I was like, oh no, it's happening again. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. It's so sad. The yeah. saddest part, I think, is when she opens the door, she wakes up. She fully wakes up. It's like she's kind of half asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have like a nightmare and you're kind of like not fully awake yet. Yeah. And she kind of like walks over to the door and opens it and then she calls for her mom mm-hmm. but it's like in, Sh- in Shigeru's house and she just sees the hallway and yeah. she just kind of closes that, the door that like dead-eyed look in her on her face as she closes the door yeah yeah i was like oh my mm-hmm. heart <laughs> like i yeah. was really really sad this time mm-hmm. this is another uh thing to add to her pile of empty hallways and closing doors imagery <laughs> that yeah seems to <laughs> always be around Toru's mom. mom memories. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's like the one. There's one that I'm thinking of where she's like in the apartment. It's empty. That was when she visited her grandfather, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the ones, the one, you know, I don't know the way that they used it in the anime specifically. I think more so um, when she says goodbye to them and the door closes during like New Year's yeah. and stuff like that. They actually had a really similar scene in the anime to this as well, where she remembers her mom over. She's in the kitchen and then she like looks over and remembers her mom being there i mm-hmm. think i haven't seen it i watched it in a long time but yeah there was that scene as well i don't think the only memories that we've seen of her mom so we've seen a couple of times where she remembered like um i went i was looking for something else so i ended up looking through a bunch of the volumes this time while i was preparing 
and there's like the scenes from when momiji talks about his mom and like his backstory and there's some memories of her mom in the hospital mm-hmm. but there's never really one like this where her mom is kind of like around and like in kind of her like embedded in her real current life mm-hmm. um like there's just like kind of one-off memories or something where she she gives some advice or whatever but we don't really see like these memories like this with Toru. I think this is the first time. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how that memory ends with the like dark dialogue box. This is always together. It's just mm-hmm. the same phrasing that was used in the description of the bond slash curse in the conversation yeah. with Rin earlier. I have a note that says Toru's bond versus the Soma bond mm-hmm. because I think it's what's happening here and the reason that it's contrasted. It happens after this. It seems this. She remembers her mom because this kind of happens after Rin asks her what the most important thing is to her. Mm-hmm. And obviously she's used to the idea that her... Or she thinks that the most important thing to her is her her mother. But then, like, what she remembers... the reason, She remembers Akito from the beach, talk, I think, talking about Kyo. And I think we're starting to see more and more the idea of her mom being most important or Kyobo being most important kind of competing inside of her. Mm-hmm. I think you can say that it kind of contrasts. There's something that Takaya is trying to say about Toru's bond with her mother versus the Soma bond. And I think we've seen it in a couple of times. So this time, and then also specifically when she was talking to Shisho, remember Shisho was like, it's a bond. And Toru said a bond is, is something sacred. Mm-hmm. And she remembers her mother. So I think we've seen enough of that idea that we can say that it's something that Takaya is building toward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like at this point there's some explicit connection being drawn there. Like, mm-hmm. it's been like hinted at before, but I think the use of that, the always together, right over top of that, right after we had that yeah. conversation, makes it pretty explicit. I think so. So I mean, so what we've seen so far is like the curse is a bond and the curse is a burden. There's these two ideas that are like so. Therefore, a bond is a burden, mm-hmm. right? A bond is something sacred and can be a burden. Yeah. Depending on how you feel about it. Yeah, like the... Like where she says, like, basically like a bond, like, if those involved see it as a burden because it's nothing but a shackle. So... Yeah. Seems like kind of a, like, a fine line, maybe. It seems like that that's (laughs) the idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? So Toru has presented her relationship with her mother thus far as being very important and meaningful to her. Right? Yeah. I wonder if that's changing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what Takaya is trying to talk about. That yeah. maybe the idea that you, someone is so important to you that nothing else can be important to you mm-hmm. can also be a burden. Yeah, or just that something that used to be a positive, completely positive thing can maybe turn into something else if it's like causing you this kind of distress. Yeah. We've probably seen other things in the series that are like around similar ideas like we've seen all these different things of relationships and things that change and become bad like even with someone like uo and the gang Mm -hmm. like she felt like it was something that she fit into but then later became you know she started to recognize that it wasn't really what she wanted and even like um um, you kind of say like uh hattori and kana where that was you know a big positive thing for them but then like when the guilt and memories started to destroy Kana so it's like all those happy memories yeah. and positive bond starts to become something that she like literally can't live with anymore yeah even something like you could maybe stretch it to something like Momiji's mother you know people having a bond between a mother and a child is something that 
I think is represented in a positive way mm-hmm. <laughs> most of the time. But in this case, it became also something so painful that she couldn't bear it. She couldn't bear the responsibility or, or like the idea that she had, you know, brought a weak creature that turns into an animal into the world. Mm-hmm. And that became something that, as opposed to being a sort of like loving relationship, became a unbearable relationship. Yeah. I feel like this is like one of the real like core it's like maybe the core the core idea of fruits basket mm-hmm. it's the thing that makes toru and the somas it's the thing that ties them together there's no reason <laughs> in this story like to have toru be around like this could just be a thing about characters overcoming the curse but toru toru gets something out of being in this relationship with the somas too she mm-hmm. also is able to kind of grow out of the the maybe through the bonds that she formed with them just like we're seeing characters from the junishi drift away from akito like people like yuki and haru Mm. like we talked about it a lot in the beach arc the way that they're sort of they're not so it doesn't seem like they're so under akito's thumb anymore right Mm -hmm. so maybe this is something that will happen to toru as well like maybe that's a prediction for the future i guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe things will change more for her yeah i think more generally a big theme of the series overall is just the you know how like relationships and bonds can be you know positive and negative and switch between the two and everything yeah see feather theory yeah (laughs) re feather theory (laughs) There's some petals in this, I noticed, <laughs> not to bring it back. Yeah. There were some white petals, actually. It was like of the Rin, where Rin is, Tori thinks about Rin and uh, Kyo. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll remember to talk to Kayla about this. <laughs> but that's, that's what I think is kind of going on. That's why we have these, we're starting to, it's time to develop this part of Tori's character, I think, in the story. You know, we're like two thirds of the way through the story yeah. or something. Yeah, well, we've so, seen it. Yeah, we've seen it. Uh, creep in here and there this is just i think the most explicit it's gotten mm-hmm. i think it's yeah the most obvious mm-hmm. about how the fact that they're related not just that yeah. they both bonds kind of exist mm-hmm. that they can be thought of similarly yeah because i think like back at the like beginning of the beach is when we were first starting to see toru have some like internal crisis about her relationship with her mother in some way mm-hmm. we had her have that like like nighttime like freak out when she was looking at the photo of her yeah. mother yeah and then, like, a chapter later, Akito comes and mm-hmm. tells her about Kyo, too. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's been creeping along in the background. It's just, like, now it's starting <laughs> to get more focus. Yeah. It'll be more explicitly, like, talked about. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was exciting, quote-unquote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean sad. Yeah. Very sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that everything that we can say about that chapter? About Rin and Toru and the curse and Toru's relationship with her mom? Probably. Probably. That's the big stuff. So should we talk about the next chapter then? (laughs) (laughs) Seems logical. (laughs) (laughs) There was more fun stuff in this chapter. Yeah. We got some student council shenanigans mixed in. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and also the school play. Yeah. (laughs) I like that Kyo uh, tries to argue that it's not good casting. Yeah. I think it's kind of amusing that the Yuki fangirls were like, we'll, we'll cast Toru in a hated role, and then she'll... I can't wait to see her be, like, hated by everyone. It's like, you're so weird. Like, yeah. it's, it's just a play. Anyway. <laughs> it's like, if anything, everyone's going to find it endearing how <laughs> not evil she is in the evil role. She is, yeah. 
<laughs> like how Yuki's like, can you be a cruel stepsister? And she's like, I'll be the cruelest ever. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like, Everybody believes like, you. Yeah, like the font even changes to show how bubbly her dialogue is in that scene. <laughs> it was the most bubbly expression that we've ever seen, I think. Yeah. I stand by what I said. <laughs> there have been some, but this was the bubbliest. Mm-hmm. I, also like how... I like how the friends tease Kyo, too. Yeah. Yeah, the friends do. And I like how they, like, get Toru to talk to him, to, like, talk him into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to, like, come on, like, go, you deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of, um, Yuki just watching the two of them in these chapters. Mm -hmm. I also loved how, um, everybody's like, hey, I heard we're doing this crazy thing for the culture festival. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it turned out that Kakeru was spreading the rumors. Yeah. Even Toru knew about it. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say that Yuki one-handed strangling Kakeru with the like brightest smile on his face with sparkles in the background is one of my favorite panels in the series it's pretty great (laughs) you're not wrong we did i have a note that i wanted to say which is that we talked about cultural festivals in school i think in episode our episode five which was on chapters nine and ten and i just double checked it to listen to it also that's when the origin of parrot fortune telling came about (laughs) in our series at least not in the world It's when it spontaneously came into being. Yeah. <laughs> we invented it. <laughs> yeah, that was when Hana was, like, randomly dressed as a witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about it for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. I also liked how uh, Kyo was like, don't tell Shisho, and Toru's like, but he would want to know. Yeah. <laughs> it was very cute. I think he'd be so happy. <laughs> and he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would. He would be, like, if there was a way, he would wear, like, a Kyo, like, number one fan shirt. When it, yeah. At the... <laughs> <laughs> at the play mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway okay so one other thing okay so we talked about their class that's fine great everything mm-hmm. was cute machi came back after the incident where she tore up the student council room so mm-hmm. i guess this is the first time that she's been back Apparently. according to what kimmy says mm-hmm. and now of course demands that she explain herself and she just tries to apologize and then yuki is like no we need to understand why there's a problem and then the whole conversation gets derailed by uh kakeru and Kimi talking mm-hmm. about Yuki. Yeah. I don't have anything like significant to say about it, but just the way we get to see some more of Machi's reactions yeah. this time. She actually talks a little in this chapter. <laughs> she does. Yeah, she doesn't just stand there and not say anything. Mm-hmm. Although I think it's not that she doesn't say anything, it's just that she can't get a word in yeah. around Kakeru and Kimi. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with her, it has everything to do with Kakeru and Kimi. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. Then we do see, you know, panels of her just trying to, like, slide away in the background, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I like that she's the one who breaks down the door when Yuki is trapped, too. Yeah. I guess we should talk about Yuki getting trapped. Yeah. That would be important. <laughs> you know, no big deal. Just, mm-hmm. uh... <laughs> yeah. Just some emotional trauma coming out to play. <laughs> yeah, no big. <laughs> so Yuki has this memory, which is... It seems to be a memory of Akito at the beach. Mm-hmm. And, like, we discussed... I think we discussed it right away. I'm yeah. sorry if we're <laughs> repeating this, but it's a... It's a, We got to finally see what that was that happened, or at least part of what happened. So yeah. I was excited <laughs> about that. There's enough uh, <laughs> water textures over all these panels to conclude that it's at the beach, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also what Akito's wearing. Akito's yeah. wearing, like, a black shirt, and he's wearing his shirt from the beach. I was like, didn't Yuki wear that shirt from the beach even before there was a bunch of water texture? Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you forgot. <laughs> But yeah, it turned out that Akito was saying, I know what you're looking for in Toru, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. Does yeah. Akito actually know that he was looking for a quote-unquote mother in her, as he said at the end of this chapter? Or is it something else? Yeah, no, I'd have to look back and see, like, 
Akito's dialogue surrounding this part on the beach. He oh, was kind of. Let me find it. I think he I was kind of like books. directly comparing like Yuki's feelings to Kyo's feelings in yeah. some way. I think I remember him doing that. So here's this is the context that this is in. So it's in whatever chapter I said before. Hold on, let me find it. <laughs> chapter fifty nine starts with Yuki's kind of like inner monologue while Akito talks to him. So Yuki says, "I want to believe that my hopes are aren't for nothing. Um, I want to believe there's more to life than darkness. Just like if I'm pelted with rain, I know the sun will come again, no matter how much I'm knocked down by pain." Kindness has continued to fall down on me ever since that day. And then he has a memory of putting the hat on baby Toru. Mm-hmm. And then transitions to another scene. So we don't actually see... Akito's only dialogue is like, hello there, you're so lonely. And then we see Akito talking to Yuki and Yuki looking upset. Yeah. But there's no... Yeah. None of Akito's dialogue. Yeah. I think I'm just kind of thinking of like the context of like how direct he like plays on Kyo's feelings for Toru when he talks to Kyo. And then like the fact that, like, we knew back then that what Yuki was struggling with, and so there's lots of, like, like, Toru as a mother imagery compared to the relationship of Kyo and Toru, mm-hmm. especially from Yuki's point of view at that time. Yeah, so. like, I'm looking ahead in the chapter where Kyo goes to visit Akito. I don't, so anyway, the point is, after reading all of that, I don't see anything specific but I think you're right that, like, kind of the way that the things that Yuki and Kyo say um, sort of make it seem different. And the kind of, like, the way that Yuki reacts to what Akito says. Because what happens is Yuki goes and talks to her. They run Toru and Yuki run into each other. And um, at the time, it seemed sort of like it was obfuscated the way that he felt. Like, it could be romantic or it could not be. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't seem like that's the case yeah based on what he said this time and i think it's i don't know i don't know what akito said <laughs> mm-hmm. what akito said that he see he's looking for in toru yeah akito's good at doing some things but it seems like you know if you compare like akito to somebody like rin i think rin knows what actually bothers people i think yeah. akito has a story about what Akito thinks bothers people. Yeah, and I think Akito is good at being like hurtfully vague in what yes. he says. Like, <laughs> just kind of like knowing that there's some kind of trauma or issue around this point, and so like bringing up enough to for them to kind of fill in the blanks themselves with all the yeah. you know hurtful details. So, yes. like, I feel like he probably never actually completed that sentence. He just probably said like, "I know what you're looking for in her," and didn't actually say anything more. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. If it is something like a mother, I mean, we know that Yuki's parents just, like, abandoned him with Akito, yeah. and Akito obviously knows that, so mm-hmm. Yuki says, I mean, Akito says that Yuki is boring, like, his kind of, you know, Yuki, Akito has, like, kind of a story that he uses with all of them, like, Haru is stupid, Rin isn't wanted, Yuki is boring, like, Yuki mm-hmm. wants to be in a place where people recognize his kind of, like, you know, our people are kind and recognize his, what value he has, right? Yeah. Um, and so when Akito just says, like, you're boring, it, he translates that as, like, I'm not worthy of people's attention. Mm-hmm. So maybe Akito being, like, I know what you're looking for in Toru is, like, I know you're looking for someone who will care about you when you don't deserve to be cared about, maybe, yeah. by anybody other than me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting that Yuki has this memory at this time, too, because there's all this talk again about him being, like, all princely and whatever, and... Mm-hmm. 
everybody seems to be bringing it up this chapter. Like yeah. sometimes we go, we'll go for like a volume without anybody calling Yuki a prince mm-hmm. for a while, but then every then it comes up and he's like, no, that's not me, that's not me. He says it like three times in this chapter. Yeah, so I think that all is part of his you know issues of not feeling like he's worthy of people's attention or that he's like a bad guy deep down inside or whatever mm-hmm. that he's not adequate. Like what he says when he opens the student council. Yeah. Um, that kind of speech that he gives. So, But I thought it was interesting to shift away from that depressing note. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that Kakeru and Kimi were like, wow, you're so kind. You're so kind. Because I think that that's true. And I think we've seen it a lot. People always talk about how kind Yuki is, like Haru and Toru. And it's nice that mm-hmm. um, Kakeru and Kimi also called that out, even in their like teasy way. But yeah. they're like, we're not teasing. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of a contrast to all the previous, like, prince yuki references they say he's princely because he's so because he's being kind like as opposed uh, to just being like you know having princely aloof. character and looking you know beautiful looking and hot. distant and I mean. stuff which seems to be the implications <laughs> from the previous things which is part of his objection to it yeah like i think the first introduction we get to yuki at least being like princely at school is that he like pushed the girl away mm-hmm. because he didn't know how to deal with her attention of course but i think yeah it is interesting and nice that Kakeru and Kimi, even though they were sort of like teasing him, called out that he's his kindness was what made him seem princely. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by Machi's constant objection that he's not princely. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of a thing because, like, when we first saw Machi, like before we knew who she was or saw her face or whatever, we saw her kind of like when they're talking about him being like known as the prince or whatever, and she's like, huh, he doesn't seem that way, basically, at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we see him, like, object to being called a prince and her kind of, like, reacting to that in some way. Yeah. So. I think it'll come back, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I understand at a, a certain, like, base level what she's talking about, but I'm, I'm interested to see this play out more. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see it play out more. Because Machi doesn't seem to care. Machi, I think, recognized... I thought it was really interesting this time that Machi broke down the door and was like, I thought you would be uncomfortable being, like, alone and helpless in there. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's something that she recognizes about him or if she just that's some, a way that she feels like I wonder what's supposed to be in that embedded in that comment you know yeah my feeling is that it's like another sort of like we were talking about like Rin being able to recognize like Toru's pain because she has felt it herself it seems like that kind of thing mm-hmm. where she's able to recognize that in him where someone else might not be able to because she has similar feelings yeah it seems like that might be the case yeah I mean, Machi doesn't seem particularly empathetic, but we don't know that much about her because, like, most of the interactions that we have with other characters and her is, like, she's just sort of sidelined a lot at this point. This is probably, like, the first time there's, like, a major interaction with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's just, like, such a specific thing to say, like, being alone and helpless in there rather than just, like, oh, it's uncomfortable being stuck in a dark room, so I want to let you out. In a small place. like, yeah. Yeah. Or being alone or being in the dark. Yeah. It's just, I thought you would be uncomfortable being alone and helpless in there. Yeah. It's a very specific kind of feeling that most people wouldn't associate with just, like, being locked in a room for a being couple in a minutes. Room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? It was probably, like, two seconds. It's probably five minutes, like, that he's locked in there and having this memory, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, I think it says something about her, which is that yeah. she probably feels has felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Is there um, any other more specific things to say? Well, <laughs> I think we should talk more about it. We've got the, the big controversial mother reveal. In this chapter. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we I wish we should talk about it next time, but... we should talk about it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both times. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about it more next time, but just kind of the... Yeah. <laughs> well, the concept. controversial. Yeah, I remember it being, like, pretty controversial at the time. And, like, I can definitely 
like looking back at it, I can understand like if you were shipping that, how that would seem like kind of a <laughs> like out of nowhere slap in the face. Yeah. But like now that we've reread it, I think it really is built up for a while. Yeah. I I remember reading when we were rereading this a cup like not not in the last like I'm gonna say since even the the true form. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple of times after, but like definitely in the beginning, Yuki is really flirty with Toru. Mm-hmm. I could see why you could, like we talked about the, I think we talked about it, the reveals in the beach being like deliberately misleading almost as like mm-hmm. setting up, maybe not deliberately, but misleading in the sense that it sets up a love triangle that isn't actually a love triangle, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's something where like, I think if you don't know it's coming, it does seem like on the surface it does seem to come out of nowhere like you're like oh it's been this love triangle thing the whole time but it really hasn't been no, for a while no and uh i think the like we've seen a lot of like yuki like kind of watching toru and kyo <laughs> and having like conflicted feelings and yeah we've seen like some specific like motherly imagery f- from toru when yuki's around and stuff and... yeah yuki's perspective mm-hmm. even like i said at the beach like yuki notices her taking care of the kids yeah yuki notices her kind of like cheering him on to go Mm -hmm. like she's always the last couple of times they interacted it was like yuki basically goes i have to go to student council now and toru is like okay do your best or like see Mm -hmm. you soon or like take care like it's very much has the air of like a a parent being like okay like i know this is hard for you but like do your you know you need to do your best don't push yourself too hard or yeah and like a like like the kind of an interaction between like a parent and like a young adult child who is you know becoming independent and stuff and so Mm -hmm. like because we've seen like even without the the mother reveal we've seen like yuki thinking like he has to like stop leaning on toru and like be more independent and take risks and Mm -hmm. stuff yeah especially now the like he brought back what shigure said which was like will you always go crying to her Mm -hmm. which sort of like uh thinking about her the way a mother supports their children And I think that was kind of, like, an accepting moment for him, that chapter, and that particular reaction there, because, like, Shigure kind of said it to both Kyo and Yuki, but Kyo was like, what the mm-hmm. fuck are you talking about? <laughs> As a reaction. <laughs> Basically, that's Kyo's like, I, I don't that. do that anymore. That's how I read that face anyway, but Yuki had kind yeah. of a sort of, I don't know, resigned smile in reaction to that. I think Yuki knows what... It, I interpreted it as, like, Yuki understanding... He's kind of... Sugar is kind of just, like, saying that. It's, like, kind of Yuki, kind of to Toru, like, kind of to Rin, even though she's not really there um, yeah. to hear it. And, like, Yuki and Rin have kind of the same... Yuki has this, like, connection with Rin that we've seen a couple of times. Yeah. We saw him, like, deliberately say it in those chapters where he's like, we have something... We have one thing in common, which is... Oh, right, yeah. We should talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> at first I was like, let's avoid talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the connection that they have is that they both need Toru in the same way, which is that they need somebody to that they can, like, talk to and depend on. Yeah, a um, supportive, quote-unquote, mother figure. Yeah, in a non-romantic way. Yeah. Even though I ship it. I was going to say, unless you're, in, unless you're <laughs> you know, writing your fanfics for it, which I'm all for. <laughs> That's fine. Yep. Yuki, Toru, it's not, shippers, not Toru, shippers, everyone who's there, write, write your fanfic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're pro-shipping and pro-fanfic on this podcast, so... Yeah, basically. <laughs> but we're talking about the text. The yeah, because they says... don't let the canon beat you down, but... <laughs> the text says that they don't have a romantic yes. relationship. <laughs> and I think you're right. I agree with you. I think it's pretty obvious from 
definitely like the beach on there's even times when you look at something you could kind of it could go either way like the scene that i was just talking about yuki has this moment where he leans on toro and he like cries on her but it's not like it's not romantic i think Mm -hmm. it's touching yeah it's and it's they obviously care about each other um i think he like kisses her forehead and stuff is that the Mm -hmm. same chapter yeah i think it is and and then the next morning toru is like i won't he says uh like if you want to forget that i kissed you like don't worry about it or whatever and she's like i won't forget it Mm -hmm. so you could interpret it as like being kind of romantic but doesn't seem very romantic to me it seems more like someone who is sort of like confused about their feelings (laughs) it's it's emotional and affectionate but it's not necessarily romantic i think so yeah and yeah we've talked about it like i think this has been like going on since after the true form arc because we talked about how like like yuki has a whole chapter right afterward about how like, seeing Toru come back in the morning, like, carrying Kyo in cat form is kind of, like, yeah. triggered something weird in his head. Yeah. Or seeing her go off after him. I can't remember which one he specifically was talking about, but either way, like, seeing her... It's one of those. <laughs> yeah, seeing her in that, like, moment kind of, like, tweaked off something weird in his head, and his, he's been kind of dealing with that the whole time. That's when we first saw the whole, like, tightly closed lid metaphor start to come in. Yeah, it, it was kind of, like, addressing. He also has all these, like... You can see that he's been struggling with it for a long time, too, because he has these, like, specific memories of, like, Kagura mm-hmm. saying, um, you know, like, once I fall for him, I can't help it, and all this other stuff. Like, it's all tied together. I'm not sure exactly, you know, why he remembers that mm-hmm. so strongly. It's like I he sees that, it happening with, yeah. between Toru and Kyo, I guess. Yeah, I think that specific thing might be, like, him realizing, like, what, like, kind of, that kind of, like, romantic feelings aren't usually, like that kind of logical and explainable and he's been trying to deal with his feelings in like a logical way i think mm-hmm. and so i think he may be realizing that like the fact that he's like going through it like this trying to like break it down and stuff maybe means he's not having that kind of feeling like romantic feelings compared to what he's I agree. seen yeah yeah i agree mm-hmm. that it's something about comparing his own feelings to like the way that other people describe romance yeah. kagura and kakiru later mm-hmm. um because later Kakiru's like, yeah, I love my girlfriend. She's great. Yeah. And Yuki's like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, like, they have all the, like, love confessions at the at the thing, at the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, yeah, Yuki looks at their relationship in, yeah, sort of, a, like, a logical way that it can be processed instead of, like, an illogical, like, feeling. And then you can contrast it with, like, Toru's feelings, for example, where she's like... I don't know why, but when Kyo says something, mm-hmm. I I get happy or sad. It's like I have yeah. all this like a, a reaction to him that's just emotional mm-hmm. at a at its kind of like base level and mm-hmm. not um, logical, yeah. I guess. Something that she can't control, even which I mm-hmm. think is part of what her the issues that we're seeing right seeing right now. Yeah, of her versus her caring about her mother most versus like caring about somebody else like Kyo. Mm-hmm. I understand that it was contra- controversial and mm-hmm. people were sort of maybe confused at the way that it could be interpreted or like, um, mm-hmm. you know, like they didn't felt like they didn't see it coming or like it wasn't built up to, but I kind of think that it was. Yeah. I think it was definitely built up. I just think it's, I can see how if you were just, you know, happily going along, reading the manga, shipping your ship, <laughs> you could think like, well, that was out of nowhere. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> But you would have to also deliberately ignore all the Torukyo shipping. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it's been obvious since pretty early on that it was going to go more Kyo-Toru. Just, mm-hmm. But I think you could still, like, maybe think, like, oh, it's just, like, the losing leg of a 
love triangle rather than it being like completely sunk as a romantic relationship in any <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> sunk as a ship. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Cause I mean, I think everyone's like shipped to the thing that just didn't wind up canon, but that's different than the canon going like, no, actually they don't even think of each other that way at all and never have. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which, you know, it's rough. I've been there, but um, <laughs> yeah. There's still, like, moments between characters where you can you can say, like, that's, like, a great moment, and you can mm-hmm. cling to it. But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I see a lot of things, like, there's a lot of great touching, like, Yuki and Toru moments, mm-hmm. but it's it does seem to always be one-sided. Like, Yuki, it's Yuki telling Toru something or divulging something to Toru or asking, kind mm-hmm. of, like, Toru is supporting him or giving some kind, him some kind of emotional comfort. It's never yeah. the other way around, mm-hmm. even at the beginning. He nev- yeah. He's never, like, he's never there when she's upset. The person who's always there is Kyo. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they have a relationship that I would think of as being a more, like, supportive romantic relationship where there's yeah. a kind of an equal give and take of support. Not so much in the beginning, but after the true form. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. It's a more, like, reciprocal kind of thing. Which isn't to say that the relationship you can totally have is bad. It's just a different kind of relationship. For sure. Like, no one has a totally equal give and take with every single person they know you have different (laughs) relationships with different people and that's fine (laughs) yes but also but like yuki's um yuki even says that himself he's like Mm -hmm. you always accepted me you always like listened to me and always supported me and were always there for me and without any reprimand or whatever um Mm -hmm. so he kind of like calls it out recognizes it himself in his own dialogue too yeah and it's fine. It's not like she doesn't get anything from Yuki. Like, yeah. obviously, they have a good relationship. Yeah, they have a good friendship. He helps her in other he cares ways. about her. It's just a different kind of, yeah, like, emotional support. And yeah. I I think it's, force. like, the kind of person... Yeah, like, I mean, you probably had friends where or people that you know where you're like, I know I can't... I feel uncomfortable, do, like, talking to this person about this thing because I know that they're dealing with other things or, like, mm-hmm. I know that they... Like, I don't, I don't know, whatever, for whatever reason you don't feel comfortable with that. I feel like that's how Toru and Yuki's relationship is. It's like, they have a good relationship when there's, like, good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. As I said, like, like, she doesn't, like, she's not, doesn't really seek out emotional support from other people, because that's just not the kind of person no. she is. And Kyo's just the, the kind of person who's more likely to go, like, what? Say it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kyo's more likely to try to draw it out of her. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to Yuki, who's like, well, she's having a thing. I'm just going to yeah, be yeah, over he here. Yeah, he might feel like he's, know? like, overstepping what she were kind of doing. Yeah. going to do the same kind of thing, so. Yeah. <laughs> the only person he's really stepped in to do anything for her so far is Machi, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, everybody stop picking on her. Like, he kind of, um, he kind of protects her. Like, he recognizes mm-hmm. something is going on with her. Yeah. And... Which is part of his, like, emotional growth. Where, like, we've yeah. talked about, like, the student council being like his kind of like the next step after the emotional growth he achieved with his relationship with Toru. Mm-hmm. Cause like, this is him. I mean, deliberately he was trying to be like more like put himself out there and take more risks by joining the student yeah. council. And just like, like from what we've seen, he seems to be like, you know, becoming more independent, growing emotionally, relying less on Toru for support. Yeah. It seems like that's the case. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he's it like, maybe, like, I mean, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like he's like maybe more in a position to, like, offer support to someone else now. Yeah, he has Toru's support. He has, like, Kakiru's support. We saw in this chapter that he's about to... He's He tells Kakiru that he's... He remembered something painful, and he hasn't said exactly what it is yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're about to see that next time. Yeah. But um, he has someone who he can rely on, like like Toru, in kind of a supportive way. And Kakiru also, in turn, asks him 
things. He's like, I don't, I don't get like, I don't understand people. Mm-hmm. I need help to understand what's going on or whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time. So they have a more reciprocal relationship too. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's at the point now where he can like in his thoughts, like give as much as he takes in a relationship now. So yeah, he's able to take support and give support in more equal measures, yeah. at least in his mind now. Yeah. Well, I don't think he even thinks so in his mind. Cause it seems yeah. like he doesn't even realize how, yeah. Well, I mean, how, like, I like think, generous I'm just saying himself. like, his, <laughs> I'm saying he, he like thinks of everything in like the give and take kind of way. Like we've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything other mm-hmm. student, Student council things? I think so. Kimmy and now are still Kimmy and now. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, and now complains. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I wonder if there's like any now fans out there who are like, say his dialogue too, but I, I won't. I refuse unless it's actually interesting. <laughs> yeah. I liked how Yuki love... and now were complaining though to each other. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. I loved um, Kimmy just like bluntly says that like Machi was like avoiding <laughs> consequences, and Yuki's like Kimmy. <laughs> Kimmy, you can't just say Kimmy. that. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I think we already, I guess we already talked about the play. My very last note is the play. Yeah. Oh, was so disgruntled about the play. We didn't yeah. talk about that. She's like, I wanted to do like whatever historical play. Yeah. It's, there's a note, you know, for your perusal, I have copied um, information about a drama of the same name. <laughs> I don't know if the yes. play is based on that, but... Yeah, I saw that at the bottom. I was like, TLDR. <laughs> yeah, basically. But... The TLDR is, it's about a, um, it's like a, about a specific high-ranking person in the specific, I think, Tokugawa shogunate or something. It's in the Edo period. It's a historical drama. Mm-hmm. And the character that Uo references, it poses as his grandson. He's some guy that traveled around with him. That's why I was looking up this long-ass description of this drama. Yeah. Um... But yeah, she's like, I want to be the guy that gives him the medicine box. It's like, this is a very specific reference <laughs> <laughs> in a very specific role. So you're like one person. Like, <laughs> anyway. Lord. So it says that the drama ran from 1969 to 2011. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, is this actually a play? I had tried to Google like the same title. It's Mito Coleman. It seems to be that it was based off of novels and whatever, but, like, I don't know if there's just, like, a separate play or their kids are expected to make a play about Mito Kalman or something. Like, Maybe. it could be that. Yeah. I don't know. Because, I, I mean, obviously they're expected to make a play about Cinderella. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's... they're using a, a script. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Slight spoilers, but, yeah, the version yeah. they do is not the traditional Cinderella <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So <laughs> No. But it seems to not be in, in the first place. <laughs> So, like, maybe they have to write their own script. I don't know. Yeah. It's not not super clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only information I could find about Mito Komon. Yeah. So. 1,227 <laughs> episodes. Yeah. I mean, it says, <laughs> it says in this article this um, that there were, like, 13 different basic plots for the episode. <laughs> so it would be, like, they find a thing. They find it. They go to a village, and they find that there's, like, her corruption, and then there's, like, a fight at the end. <laughs> like, it's very, like, formulaic. Basically, like, uh, what I imagine, like, law and order must be like to people outside of North America or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a, like a, like a serial, um, like a drama, extremely crafted in terms of, like, how the plot goes every episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Sort of formulaic, that's what I was thinking of. Like a formulaic drama. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. it's just funny, it was funny to me yeah. that Uo was so upset. Two of those episodes is about an hour long, which it says has a 54-minute running time. Uh, you would have to watch it for a little over 51 days straight to watch wow. the entire series of Mito Coleman. That's a lot <laughs> of time. 
because it's too much time. Yeah. I wonder how long it would take to watch all of Law and Order. Yeah. Probably about the same amount of time, actually. It's been running for a long Probably if time. you're doing all the sub-series and everything. Right, yes. SVU and... Was it like Crime and Punishment? I don't know. <laughs> crime and Punishment? Criminal Investigations. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Law and Order CSI. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's another some series. That's like there criminal, is. I can't remember what it's it's called. Like criminal investigations or something. Maybe. Criminal intent. That's what it is. Oh, that's what it's called. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. Is there any other things that you want to say about these two chapters? Should we talk about spoilers? Probably. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Before we start our uh, Law and Order podcast, which will be debuting, uh... I would love to have a Law and Order podcast. It'll run for five years, yeah. <laughs> based on the. <laughs> amount of time it would take to watch every episode. Yeah. We'd have to do, you know, special episodes honestly... on the video games. Oh my god. We'd have to find a computer that can run the video games. <laughs> There's gotta be an emulator for Law & Order, right? It's a popular... It must have been an incredibly popular game. <laughs> we can just do one for Law & Order. We can pick one of the... Um, maybe we could just pick random episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been the Law & Order roulette. <laughs> anyway, I think that's it. Alright, good. I think so. Next time we're going to talk about like we announced up top, we're going to talk about 84, 85, and 86. Ooh. So we're getting a three-chapter episode, which will be a good time. Mm-hmm. Definitely won't be long at all. Yeah. I noticed that the last episode that, I, well, uh, episode 41 was like an hour, or an hour and 40 minutes or something. <laughs> so they're quite long. There's a lot of trauma <laughs> to talk about in that episode, I think. Yes. There was a lot of stuff that was revealed, too. Yeah. I think this one will be probably end up being the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long we've been recording. Depends on how many of our, how much of our tangents you cut out. Yes, <laughs> it always that's always what it depends on. <laughs> okay, good. Let's let's talk about spoilers. Okay. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. It's like in the in the Faruba justice system. Yeah. <laughs> the uh. <laughs> The members of the Janishi are represented. No, yeah. I don't know. These are their stories. <laughs> yes. Okay. Furuba. Yes. In chapter 82, the first chapter that we read, Tora remembers Rin freaking out when she came home from school, and then she also remembers when Kyo ran away in chapter 15, and she finds him. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking that it's kind of like... um dramatic irony on our part because that's when Kyo so I went back and looked at that chapter chapter, and that's when Kyo remembered her mom's accident I think mm-hmm. for the first time maybe like for the first time in sort of like detail like there's that really detailed panel where we see her mom all like bloody it's in reverse mm-hmm. it was one of the times where I had to be like and then Kyo sees a woman <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure we talked about it back then. But it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. that she remembers this again, and then later in this chapter, she like remembers her. She has this like nightmare about her mother. So mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting that they're tied together. It's just a little thing that I noticed. Yeah, we can only talk about it in spoilers though, because Kyo's connection mm-hmm. to Toru's mom hasn't been fully explained yet. Yeah, I wonder if and anybody we... knew noticed that while reading it, because I definitely didn't the first yeah. time. We've we've revealed that they knew each other. I think I just don't. Right. I'm trying to remember where we are in spoilers, but I don't think we've gotten any details. We revealed. It's been revealed that they knew each other. I can't remember which chapter it was though. I remember like they. I can't either. But maybe when they go visit Shisho, but, or maybe at the beach. I forget. I don't know. But I feel like we were talking about it. We're like, oh, we see that like 
they've got some connection. Like, mm-hmm. But not this one specifically, that he was there when she died. Yeah, definitely not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we're getting close to getting the, uh, when they met when Kyo was little backstory. Yeah, because we're going to talk about Kyoko and Katsuya pretty soon. Yeah. After the, after the Sword of Cinderella? After Sword of Cinderella. Yeah, like, I think not next volume, but the one after. Yeah. Well, we're going to do our three-chapter special about Yuki, and then it's going to be Sword of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Well, then no, there's a chapter, then it's Sword of Cinderella. Yeah, we're going to do, yes, the three chapters and the one chapter, and then two two chapters of Sword of Cinderella, and, and then, then it goes into, yeah. yeah, the Kyoko backstory bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Crying again every episode. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Furuba way. Yeah, basically. Especially at... <laughs> this point in the story it's just like pedal to the metal sadness <laughs> yeah it's like action action kinda... action but sadness sadness yeah. sadness <laughs> this, is, uh, this is something i knew i just never really like vocalized the thought it's kind of interesting that both kyo and toru's issues around their relationship with each other is centered around kyoko yeah i know <laughs> it's crazy yeah and they don't even know well i think kyo no. knows kyo knows well, Kyo knows about his side, and Tori knows about her side, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think up to this point... Actually, it's interesting that you bring that up now, because it's up to this point, It's all, it seems like it's all been sort of, like, issues that are one-sided from Kyo's perspective. Like, he's like, I can't be with her because of of I was there when Kyoko died and I couldn't save her. But also Toru is like, no, I gotta keep my mom number one in my heart, so I can't let Kyo mm-hmm. be number one in my heart. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, the whole that's culmination of what yeah. happens at the end, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, that's another thing that's, like, blatantly foreshadowed much earlier than I remember, like, Toru's whole thing. Oh, I think now. I guess now. Maybe even earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had hints at it earlier, but, it, like, it's really blatant in this chapter. I think so. That's why I felt comfortable talking like, about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to some degree, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, just that, like... Or, like, about to say, like, about to answer with, like, no hesitation and then stopping and having that memory. And... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, the every time she, I feel like she's had, that's the strongest time that we've seen it. But I think mm-hmm. other things have happened where she has that expression as well, where it's, like, the dead-eyed kind of expression that we've seen a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but in particular, the strongest this time, it got a whole, like, half a page devoted to it. Like, her reaction, mm-hmm. it's intended that we pay attention to it this time. Yeah. And I think in the context... That they're talking about it. Yeah, and I didn't remember until reading this chapter um, how strong the connection is drawn between the the bond of the curse and the bond Tor has with their mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we pro- we might have talked about it in spoilers before because I'm pretty sure I talked about it before, but it was just like mm-hmm. this is a thing that's going to happen. But now I do think it's like a lot implied a lot more strongly in this chapter than in other mm-hmm. times in the past. Yeah, and it's kind of like. Um, we also get some talk of the the Zodiac curse, like how it actually originated with the yeah the Zodiac members making a promise to God, yeah. and like we find out at the very end that you know it started as this like positive like mutual thing rather than like just being like like God being on top being above the animals and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it started as this like positive mutual thing that just got warped over time, which is kind of we're seeing a you know smaller version of that with like. Obviously, Tori's relationship with her mother was very positive, but now it's, like, holding her back and yeah, keeping her from, like, embracing 
things and people she loves as much as she could. Yeah, I do think it was... I hope we talked about it vaguely enough in the Mm non-spoilers, but I think that that's what we were trying to talk about, which is, like, now, just like the Bond, you know, just like like the Bond that we've seen with Akito holds the Zodiac back from changing, Toru's mom with her Mm -hmm. mom also holds her back from changing and growing as a person. In case that wasn't mm-hmm. explicit enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's like these sort of spoilers here are kind of like in reverse. Like this chapter kind of spoils like how positive the bond was at the beginning. Like we yeah, got, actually. Know, of that and stuff. And this and it kind of spoils how like negative the bond with her mo- Tor's mother is starting to become. So mm-hmm. and I think that's why it's like haunting her yeah. so much now is like she's starting to quote unquote forget this promise that she made to herself to her mother yeah. about her mother mm-hmm. yeah because it's like it's not like it's not the bond with her mother herself itself that's bad like that was obviously a very good and positive thing for both of them it's the, her like holding to this standard that is unrealistic and unneeded that but she thinks that if she lets go of that it's going to be like her forgetting her mother and yeah all that stuff it's a uh, not unlike the zodiac promise it's like the promise that mm-hmm. Zodiac made a promise that they would always be with God, and Toru kind of made a promise that her mother would always be the most important person in her life, I guess, or in her heart, um, Mm -hmm. I think is what it says in the translation later, so. Yeah, and that gets, uh, like, a real direct connection when we get that flashback to the promise, because, like, the reason the cat was cast out was because he was like, no, I don't want this. I don't want forever. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's unrealistic for her to maintain this relationship with her yeah. mother forever. Um, but yeah, the, an un, like you said, it's kind of an unnecessarily high standard to hold herself to. To, to not mm-hmm. enable... It holds her back from forming like other supportive relationships in her life. And that's yeah. kind of what Rin is talking about. Rin is like, I hope that she finds... It's kind of funny how she... Rin equates it with being something romantic, I guess, too. Or maybe just someone... I don't know if it's actually romantic. It seems like that because mm-hmm. she says that... She, Toru needs someone like Haru to support her, which I yeah. initially thought was sort of like she's Toru needs someone to you know to care about her and be with her romantically or be important to her. But I think mm-hmm. it's like beyond that. It's someone who can support her and understands that. I think I like the way that Rin yeah. describes it as being like slowly opening a closed door or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's ironic that Kyo is that person too because Kyo also has the <laughs> harbors all that guilt. Yeah, um, about her mom, so, mm-hmm. which is yeah, it is. It's the main point of their conflict at the end of the series, um, when all the shit goes down. So, yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, by fun, if you mean fun, by fun you mean sad and heart wrenching. <laughs> then yes, mm-hmm. of course. What else would I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I have another spoilery thing that I want to talk about. If we're done okay. talking about that, which is. Rin says that Kareno is suspicious, and mm-hmm. he she also says that Toru wouldn't understand. So of course that's like yeah. a spoiler about him not being cur- uh, cursed anymore. Yeah, she even specifically says, "I can't think of him as one of us." Yeah, which is, like really on the nose when you know what's coming up. Yeah, but... yeah. At first you're just kind of like, "Whatever, Rin, weirdo." Yeah, <laughs> you could be like, and Toru's like, "No, he's not like that." Like, because there's something mm-hmm. suspicious about Kareno. He's just this kind of a bland, sad person. Um, yeah. At least to a non-cursed person. <laughs> yeah. He's so sad. <laughs> he is really sad. She's like, someone who's, and her words are literally like, you know, someone who stood so sadly and smiled so sadly or whatever. It's like, yeah, he's mm-hmm. not suspicious. There's nothing wrong 
with him particularly. But yeah. Of course, it's because of the the way they feel about the curse. Because yeah, they can feel that he's not part of the curse, even though they don't know. <laughs> yeah, they don't really know. And also, I mean, maybe partially because Akito like emotionally blackmailed all yeah. of them into not being near him. Yeah, um, it's like so. he's like enforced as being an outsider in addition to not having the curse anymore. anymore. Yeah. But... Yep. I just thought that mm-hmm. was interesting. There's so much that's revealed. Like I said, we could have had a whole a whole episode about that one chapter, probably. Yeah. Uh, if we wanted to, because there's so many things that are sort of mm-hmm. in there that we could yeah. talk about. There's a lot going on in that one, and like the second chapter is mostly lead up for what's coming up. Yeah. So. But even then, there was a bunch of stuff that happened. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, the other spoiler stuff I have is like spoilers. The next chapters are going to be Yuki's backstory. It's not really like. Yeah, it's not really a spoiler. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost not a spoiler, but yeah. it's going to be Yuki's more full backstory because the kind of yeah I, we were just looking at it now because we were planning out what to do um mm-hmm. next and it, it's like i think we see some of the same times that we've already seen like we see yuki's mom yeah. kind of like dropping him off and yeah it's like a lot of the stuff that's coming up i think we know abstractly mm-hmm. um, but we're about to see it in detail yeah we know he was left with akito as a kid and was sickly as a kid mm-hmm. and is this the so we i noticed that um I mean, it's kind of obvious, but the black pain, of course, is triggers Yuki's memory of Akito, which is mm-hmm. related to, like, I can't remember if the full backstory of that is in going to be in these three chapters. I guess I could just look, but I think it is because I think he like remembers like Akito was kind of a jerk, but okay, and then like all of a sudden he snapped and was painting the walls black. Yeah, I forgot that there was a reference to that way earlier. It was in chapter twenty, apparently. Um, yeah, it's got the panels here of Akito, like, painting oh, yeah, there black it is. and screaming at Yuki. Mm-hmm. So. Poor baby Yuki, yes. Yeah. Baby Yuki is so cute. <laughs> I know, so sad and adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also see baby Kyo. <laughs> yeah, and I, one of the reveals, I mean, so he, he tells Kakiru that Toru's, like, his his mother, but he also says that he wanted to be friends with Kyo, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So that will be coming too. I'm really excited about... I wish that, like, Yuki and Machi's plot would move a little faster, but it can't. It just mm-hmm. has to be this way. <laughs> Although there's going to yeah. be a little bit of that coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, what I is it? We, have, we got a Machi chapter in the next volume, I think. It's also like, I'm like, does Kaya have some kind of, like, thing about people smashing into rooms where their, like, love interest, <laughs> future love interest is going to yeah. be? <laughs> I'm always like, just remember that Kyo jumped through the ceiling. That was how he and Toru met. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess Yuki walked in on... If there's property damage, it's true love. Yeah, definitely. Yuki walked in on Machi having destroyed the room the first time. <laughs> that was how they met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, she, like, smashes the door down. I thought it was great. It's interesting, like, she almost never makes eye contact with anybody. And then when she smashes mm-hmm. through the room and they're alone, she just, like, makes direct eye contact with him, which is yeah. interesting. I don't know if there's some kind of, like, deal. I don't have any... I think I might have said this before, but I don't have any, like, major thoughts on that. It's just, like, yeah. nice to actually see her full expression. It's normally her eyes are, like, covered with her hair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, like, directly, like, talks to him and asks him if he's okay yeah. in that scene. So. Yeah. Because ne- she can never get a word in around Kakuki yeah. and Kimi. <laughs> <laughs> Those were all the spoilers that I had. Mine were in order. Zodiac promise, quote, can't think of him as one of us, Toru's issues, and Yuki's backstory next. So So we're on the same page. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
I <laughs> guess that's it for this sad time. <laughs> Next time we get to have another Slightly sad time. Slightly less sad than previous sad times. Yeah. Because it had some, there was some levity in there, but. It's true. Sometimes it just, sad. sometimes it hurts worse when it's Toru. Because <laughs> she's, yeah. she is pictured as someone who's like generally sort of like cheerful and just like, oh, you're still like yeah. a 17 year old girl whose mom is dead. Like it's <laughs> yeah. so sad. And she opened, the way that she opens the door and calls for her and then closes the door. It's like, oh, you're still mm-hmm. just the little kid, really. And it's. Yeah very touching deeply deeply traumatized yes (laughs) she yeah and other people kind of rin rin is right that other people are are drawn to her um you know for her sort of emotional strength but Mm -hmm. she's the one who needs to be supported sometimes yeah Yeah. anyway it's okay it'll happen (laughs) that's what q is for and also rin i like i really enjoy their friendship (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think that it's funny and cute and yeah. Sweet. It's really sweet how quickly Rin really gives into it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she brings the jello and then Toru is like she's like, I brought this and Rin is like, That's dumb and then Toru's like, So I'm gonna put it away and Rin is like, Fine, I'll eat it later you know, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it's like a full like she doesn't want to admit it, but it's like hundred and eighty degree, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I loved her. Um, I'm pretty sure I commented on it, but she has when she says like "I'll eat it later." She has the tiniest, tiniest little blush, like yeah, it's like two tiny lines. Yeah, exactly. And it's like I don't want to admit it, but I want to. I want to eat the gelatin you brought me. It's really cute. Yeah, <laughs> it's very sweet. <laughs> She's like, "I'm on my own, damn it!" And Toru's like, "I'm your friend, damn it!" It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> also, she has her own refrigerator in her hospital. Room. Right? Is she in a fancy <laughs> hospital or something? Maybe they put her in a private hospital. I don't know. Probably in case she, like, turns into a horse. <laughs> but, like, we can pay all these people off. <laughs> yeah. To not talk like, about her in a... them, their memories. Yeah, it's like we don't want her in a huge room full of people. That'll be more trouble. Yeah. It's just, like, her nurse. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they look at her her chart. It's like, patient turned into horse, question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made myself laugh. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it'd be like, maybe we need to... It's like, this person's been working too many shifts. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've never... <laughs> I kind of wonder if they have, like, a, like, protocol in place. Like, because, like, some of them are going to have to go to the hospital, and if you turn into an animal when you're weak... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do? Like, I don't know. Maybe they have, like, a special hospital staffed with inner soma people. <laughs> I was... Have, like, a special dispension to know. <laughs> maybe. But then they don't know Haru, so if that if was true, put, they would know. Yeah, I don't know if they would put... I was going to say, I don't know if they would put Rin there, but, like, for other people. <laughs> for Akita. Because it seems like they... Or, yeah, because it seems like they deliberately tried to bring, like, you know, Rin somewhere away from family connections. But, like, for everyone else, I kind of wonder for, like, standard medical issues. I mean, they all Rin, see Hattori, just, so unless they're, like, dying, yeah. I guess they go see him, you know? <laughs> but they specifically were like, we'll have to wait until she, like, transforms back before she can go to a hospital so yeah <laughs> you'd have to be in a certain state of weakness <laughs> i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't know it must be challenging <laughs> yeah but yeah i am surprised i've never been in a hospital that had private refrigerators and rooms so yeah. <laughs> they have all the fanciest technology in japan mini fridges yeah. <laughs> <It'd> be... <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway uh i think that's it this time is it for spoilers? Mm-hmm. It's it for everything? We'll talk about Yuki next time. So. Yeah. Good times. And by good sad. times, we sad times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
good in the case of Faruba, good actually means sad. <laughs> it's, it's good storytelling. It is. Good stuff to sink your teeth into, but it's sad. What's life without feeling sad? <laughs> <laughs> What's life without emotions? That's the whole point of reading, isn't <laughs> it? Like, to feel things. Yeah. <laughs> good. On that note, <laughs> let's wrap it up then. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time for lots of Yuki. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hello, it's Ellen. You probably just listened to us talk for, you know, an hour and a half about Faruba. If you want to send us a question, you can find us on Twitter at StayTogetherPod, on Tumblr at StayTogetherPodcast.tumblr.com, or you can send us an old-fashioned email at StayTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. Kayla and I want to keep creating podcasts and keep them ad-free, so if you like what you're listening to, please consider giving to our Ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash stay-together-network. Thank you always for listening and for all your support. We'll see you next time.